Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. This week's podcast is a day late. Today is September 21st and this is Q&A 110. I would like to welcome new members, Nikki and Roxy from Florida and Jen from Florida. Welcome back. So um, I apologize for being behind on my Q&A this week. Sadly, I had to say goodbye to one of my mares. Um, Very, very hard decision. She'd been suffering from severe laminitis due to Cushing's um, over the last three and a half months. It started in June. So $2,000 and vet and farrier and medications and $450 a month and just the last two weeks completely went downhill um, and so much pain couldn't stand or lay down comfortably Um, it was very hard to watch and I decided the final gift I could do for her would be to take her out of her pain but that's a really difficult decision and I knew my other horses would miss her. I've had her since she was three, almost four, and she's the youngest of my mare, so I expected her to be here longer. She um, was a really special horse. Um, When I got her, I finished her basics and taught her the pattern, and I entered her fraturity year as a five-year-old, and she was 1D reserve champion. Um, her derby year, she was 1D reserve champion with her champions. And then as time went on, she became my favorite for um, everything else. I, I don't think she loved barrels as much as my other girls. I don't know if it's because she sensed that um, she wasn't quite as good as they were. And maybe I I felt that too. I don't know. But I think she knew she accelerated and I knew she accelerated in helping me with my clinics and my lessons and working cows and ponying my training horses um, and out in the cow pasture and ponying Rocky when he was weaned and a yearling on up until I started riding him. Um, She's just been my go-to girl uh, after Buddy Buddy had that job originally of doing all the cow work and the colt starting and um, pony horse and ranch work. Uh, And then sister took that job over and I'm hoping now she's running free in heaven with Buddy. And I'll see her again someday. They say the best horses arrive in heaven with no tail. It's a rule without fail. A horse with a shortcut bob did a very good job and that's where I'm gonna leave it with that little poem she um will always have a special place in my heart and I miss her I, I miss her but I also loved all our great memories we'd go cow sorting and trail riding and just a lot of great memories poker rides just a lot of fun stuff I got to do with her in addition to her barrel racing 
She was a really good open 2D horse, um, sometimes 3D at the big stuff, but she was awesome. So anyways, um, more than anything, she was my friend. She was a sweet girl. We tried a lot of extra holistic stuff too, beamers, magnawave, essential oils, supplements. Nothing was helping. So anyways, on to um, this week's Q&A. I just wanted to apologize for being late with videos. I still have about eight videos to go and technology has been slow this morning. I was able to do three so far, so after I finish with this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and try to finish the rest today, Wednesday, and tomorrow, Thursday. So hopefully I'll be caught up with everybody by Friday. That's Rocky. Um, he's windied for her a couple of times since she's been gone. But thankfully we slept well last night after the night before. Um, you know, that week of deciding was a very exhausting week. Um, and I think they knew too, like I know they knew she was not doing well because they all are going in and out of the barn and doing their pasture playing and eating and grazing and stuff that horses do. And she never left her 12 by 12 for three months, even to go out into her paddock. So... Uh, unless I forced her to do something. So anyhow, um, let's see here. I will be caught up with videos. If you don't hear from me by Friday, then certainly um, please ask me in case I miss somebody. But I, I do have a list going. I will plan to go back over messages and make sure I didn't miss anybody. But bear with me between her and technology right now. Technology is awesome until it decides to get um, funky. And then it takes a lot of patience to wait for it to get fixed and sometimes that's just waiting for them to fix a tower in the area sometimes it's uh checking for uh what do you call them updates on your apps and stuff in your uh app store things like that can affect you and when all else fails you shut everything off and turn it all back on <laughs> so let's see here so far for the month of september we have oh gosh the list has gotten really big um, for the month of September, we are at 20 names for personal best. So congratulations to everybody who's had a personal best, whether it's a fast time in an, an arena that you go to or a goal that you've met on your horse, like a better first barrel or improved mental game or improved foundation, whatever it is. Congratulations to each and every one of you. Um, remember this month's challenges, uh, the skill challenges is back to basics. It's a perfect time. I'll be posting videos throughout the month in the group on foundation that you can do basics with your horses, um, throughout your entire career. That's why I called my clinics for so many years back to basics, because through your whole career, you'll always go back to basics with horses. Every time you compete, they kind of get that adrenaline and that forward motion going so it's important to go back during the week and get them soft and supple and responsive you know working off your body being light to your hands and legs and just get that collection and softness back so um, the other part of that the second part which is equally as important is your rider cues now is the perfect time before the, the busy season comes or before world or uh, derbies and futurities start up to really pay attention to the rider cues. Are you looking where you should? Are your hands correct? Uh, are you using your body 
the as the majority of your cues with your eyes and your energy and your seat um you know are your hand and legs working together with give and take pressure all of those things pay attention to now um you know are you relaxed are you breathing how's your balance how's your fitness all of those things play into part to be um a good rider so okay so those are um the skill challenges the the uh the challenge for this month which i'm finding is important for me is positive thinking even through hard times whatever it might be um you had a bad run you had some financial issues you had a loss in your family whatever it is um trouble at work at school always try to find the positives because i promise you when you make a list the positives are always going to outweigh the negatives and um you can always find the light at the end of the tunnel and perception is everything you always have it better than somebody else that's for sure um you know so that's why positive thinking is important it's important in your day-to-day -day. it's important to meet your goals and your dreams that you've set for yourself it's just um something that will help you you know get through the challenging times you know it's easy to be positive when everything's easy and going your way um it's a whole different deal when five five or six things are all coming at you at once that are challenging and stressful and all of that to stay positive and um it's just a really important skill so as you'll hear me, hear me mention a lot there's four things you need to be successful in barrel racing probably five but four for sure skill experience mindset oh my it's been a week i'm drawing a blank skill experience mindset and i know there's four or five i don't know i'll think of it as i'm talking so um those are really just important things to continue on with uh experience from going getting seasoned mindset staying you know, knowing how to get in the zone and breathe and skill of course through practicing um the other thing is your your connection to your horse that's really important um you know having having that connection to your horse is very very important um i think that's why it's so hard when you lose a horse because you've built such a bond you know when i look back on my horses i don't remember the award ceremonies or the checks one or the titles one as much as i um i think about the trail riding and the just day-to-day -day stuff you know just the spending time with my horse um anyway so i just wanted to share that so let's see here i have a few questions before i get into the topic and the first question was buddy sour what do you do if you have a horse that is buddy sour um that can be a challenge um oftentimes it, you have to look at how you house them at home if you have a horse that's extremely buddy sour you might not want to pasture them with another horse you might want them to have their own individual pasture and stall so that they don't get overly attached to one horse or mix it up who they're next to don't let them be around the same horse all the time um i think that's important as well uh, when you ride them at home if you've got a buddy sour horse make a point to tie that horse to the trailer while you ride the other horse that way they get used to that so when you do go to barrel races and you have to ride one and the other one's tied to the trailer 
um, they get used to being tied separately and have to be patient. You can always give them a hay bag to keep them entertained. Um, you can always make a point to tie them for an hour or so a day while you're doing other things. Um, the other thing is, you know, it's hard to control them when you're not on them. So if they're at the trailer, I often find hauling one or three is easier if you have a really buddy sour type horse because while you're riding one, two can be at the trailer together. But if you only have two horses, that's not going to work. Or if you haul with a friend and your horse gets really attached, that's not going to work. So what I recommend is riding circles near the other horse they're attached to and keep working them in circles and only rest them away from that horse. So gradually get your circles a little bigger and a little further away and then only rest and pet them away. And if they get that way again, just keep working them until they get a little bit more tired. I know it's a pain, but it's got to be taught. Um, they have to learn that you're their alpha of the herd and you're their herd leader and they have to be more worried about you than anybody else. So it is just something that takes time. The next question was um, why I'm not automated for sign up and renewal. Um, that's a good question. I've often thought how nice it would be, but just so everybody knows, I do bill you um, personally on the 1st, the 15th, and annually as you come up annually. I don't actually mind doing it myself because it makes sure that I am paying attention to who's in the group and if they're being active or not active. Um, I, I feel like it gives me a more one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. But I will send out the bill in the 1st, the 15th, and then annuals. Um, I did look at automated systems where you can sign up and have automatic renewals. But that website, to have a website like that, that generates your emails and your, your um, you know, credit cards and PayPals and all that stuff, um, that costs about $100 a month for those websites. And you'd also have to have someone design it unless you're just real tech savvy, and I am not. And that's about $2,000 up front. Um, so my current website that I have the members only page on, um, we have a password protected page only cost me $70 per year. That's why I can keep our rates cheap. I can keep the rates at $15 a month at 150 a year. If I had these fancy systems, like some of the other coaching programs out there have, I would definitely have to increase my prices. And I honestly tracked my website and my Facebook group to see where most of my traffic is and um, three quarters of the membership is in the Facebook group weekly and only maybe seven to ten people actually go to the website so that would really depress me if I spent a hundred dollars a month on a website that nobody went to just to have automation um, automatic renewals and sign up <laughs> so it's just not something that I think is really practical for my business at this time so i hope you guys don't mind me bugging you once a week i usually will give you one notice and then within three to five days i'll give you a second notice and i usually appreciate if you can pay within the first week of when you're due the first or the 15th some of you pay the very same day some of you take a few days and it's just easier for me to get it all knocked out um, at one time to keep track so and every once in a while I'm human and make mistakes and I apologize um, so that is the downside of being automatic versus human humans make mistakes um, the next question 
What do you drew, do if you draw number four or fifth on the ground and it really gets in your head like at a super show and it messes with you mentally before your run? It's a very good question. And I used to get that way too. I knew that like, for instance, let's say if you go to an MBHA district show, a lot of times um, you can pick numbers and then say what horse you wanted to go with. Some of them let you do that. Other ones don't. You know, you just have to give them a card with a horse's name and draw a number. And I used to be careful about that because I'd like to draw two chips and I'd like sister to go if the ground is wet because Briscoe doesn't like puddles. And I like Briscoe to go when it's drier. Um, so, but then sister has short legs, so I'd like her to have top of the ground rather than bottom of the ground. And Briscoe was fine anywhere, you know, in, in the three to five section if she had to. But, of course, everybody wants top of the ground. But what made me not worry about ground so much is because jackpots and super shows really cater to barrel racers. Once I started doing pro rodeos and open rodeos and watching that they either didn't drag at all, except for, you know, to get ready for slack at open rodeos, and then they only drug on nine, I'm excuse me, 10 or 12, um, generally at... Uh, WPRA rodeos unless it was just super deep ground then they would hand rake on five but hand rakes not the same either so once you started drawing up eighth ninth tenth on the ground at pro rodeos you were really happy to be in the top five at a super show because you know it's just just better ground so um but that also goes along with my mental game podcast and also my mental game uh section of my training notebook and also my um my performance tracker right in there says do not worry about what you cannot control it doesn't help you it adds tension to your mind and body it puts negative images in your head focus on what you can control and something i pointed out to this writer is um if you just think about writing to your spots that's going to be where the ground is the best because if you think about virgin ground, when horses have trouble in ground, it's usually virgin ground because not those normal ruts are worked around the barrels like, like you have at home or, or you have at shows that have barrel races all the time. So the ground is generally better there where you'll find you'll get yourself in trouble, which it shouldn't be that way if they work the entire ground evenly. You know, if they rip the entire pin, water the entire pin, um, but generally the ground is going to be the best near the stake. So as long as you're getting to your arc, your spot one, your spot two, your pivot spot, you're going to do just fine. So stay within that three to five foot pocket. You're going to do fine. So, um, that's why it's so important to just focus on what you can control, like knowing your horse, having a good, uh, approach from the alleyway to your arc. Little things like looking at third and looking at your arc or going up the middle, um, you know, hitting your arc just right so you'll hit your spot one and two, get in the hole, get to your pivot spot. Those things are more important to me. So it comes down to worry about what you can control, not what you can't. They don't let you ch change your draw at most shows. Um, that's just something that's frowned upon. Um, so, you know, especially a, a super show or a big event. Um, so anyhow, those are just, the, you know, it's a good question though. Very good question. Okay. The next one is, um, can I go to the horn before the barrel on a push horse? Absolutely you can, but here's what I want you to consider. 
If you have a push horse that really wants to turn a barrel, you probably need to try to stay two hands until you know you've got them to your spot one because those push horses that truly want to turn are going to are going to sometimes need to fill that balance rein to not cut cut you off. That's a true push horse. But if you have a horse that's maybe free running and they have natural rate and they do want to turn, they understand maybe because you ride during the week, you do a lot of one-handed drills like the D pattern or even working the barrels one-handed. So your horses know that as long as you're looking between their ears, your shoulders and hips are square, your hand stays neutral and doesn't move, you don't lift or drop it, you just keep it in a neutral position in the middle of their neck, horn high, um, that that means to keep going, especially if your eyes and your legs and your smooching says to keep going even if you sit for rate and you don't move your shoulders or your hand or your eyes and you're still looking past the barrel and you sit for rate but keep your legs on and your hand didn't move your eyes your shoulders all that's level then the horse will still a lot of horses will still just keep going up into the hole so again it depends on the individual horse if you want to try it you're going to need to practice one-handed riding during the week and remember to look and drive with your feet past the barrels and keep yourself square and by all means do not move that hand um, the next question is about rubber bands for your hands to remind you um, why are people rubber banding their hands um, Barbara mentioned in her run at PacWest she rubber banded her hand so she wouldn't lift it up and would keep it low um, and then some someone else sent me some pictures of uh, Emily Beasel doing it yes she does it. She did it at 2020 NFR. Um, it was a big talk of the NFR. They call them bezel bands. And um, she did it too because it was costing her hit barrels or slowing down before a barrel or hitting a barrel coming in or coming out of it because she was lifting her hands. So the rubber bands will break if there's an accident, but they're there just to remind you to not lift your hands, to keep your hands low and forward. But if you need to go to the horn or you need to bump and release, you can still do that. Years and years ago, I made a video on using rubber bands for people because I would have riders come for lessons that just would not keep their elbow in or would not keep their hand low. They'd get it up in the air, chest tire, they'd pull it way across over the barrel. And by rubber banding, so I do have a video on it. I posted it in the group. You can also find it at the members only. And I don't recommend it. I, I would rather see you work on your muscle memory, but I understand when you're trying to shave off a few valuable tents, it's definitely a valuable tool. If you feel the rubber band, you'll remind yourself, keep my hand down, keep my hand down. You know, and if that helps you keep from getting your hand chest high or, or picking your horse up too soon and not getting in the hole before you lift them up, you know, it's definitely a good reminder. So I hope that's helpful. So today we are going to start with my training notebook, chapter one. Um, not sure, I'll probably only do chapter one today before we have to close, but um, my new training notebook and my new performance tracker barrel racing log are available on um, Amazon now. They're only $10 each. I make them for a training tool, but remember everybody who signed up and since I've redone the books, I resent all the members a email with the six free free sign up bonuses and one is the training notebook two is the performance tracker barrel racer log three is the horsemanship challenge 
four is Tina's Tips A to Z, five is the 12-week foundation program, and six is the first year of competition program. Those are outlines. They're all PDF emails. You can print them and put them in a through-ring binder. I definitely would love it if everybody referred to them and read them because it would help you understand the 30-year program that I've designed and have been successful with my own horses and clients' horses. So it is definitely a nice tool for you. So chapter one in my book starts on page eight, and it talks about choosing the right horse for you. When it comes down to several choices, I will outline some main options. I really recommend making a list when you're going to purchase a horse and, you know, make a list of what you want, uh, the purpose of the use, what level you want to compete or ride at, uh, when do you want to be at those levels, age, sex, price. Uh, mental and physical soundness, and any other criteria based on your personal requirements. By having a list, it helps you not just go lose your focus to the next shiny thing. You know, oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that one. If it doesn't meet your list criteria, just move on. Because obviously down deep, you've thought about it. You know what you're looking for. So I would recommend you try to stay there. Um, so here's a consideration, a horse from three to five years old that is broke to ride that will probably need at least one to two years of basic tra training, hauling, and pattern work before they will be a solid competitor. Um, if you're unable to do the training yourself, meaning, you know, riding them four or five days a week, even know how to do the work yourself, you're going to need to consider what it will cost for training and lessons as well. That should probably be in your list. Um, the advantage is you have a long life together, done your way, bloodlines you want, and the type of horse you want. Um, the purchase price could be cheaper, and the horse will be trained your way. Uh, the disadvantage is time. If you lack knowledge or patience and you want to compete right away, then you may consider a finished 3D horse with potential to improve, maybe ages 6 to 10, that you could compete with now. And within a year's time, you and them could be clicking and possibly running 1D, 2D if that's uh, if that horse has that talent. Or you're just, you know, running your personal best at whatever level that they're happy in, 4D, 3D, whichever. And, um, and that's fine for you, too. The advantage of this is you can compete right away. But the disadvantage is a horse may have some holes in their training or competition that you might have to fix, or you may have to adjust to their style. So if you're looking for that 1D, 2D horse with that it factor, a horse, a roadie horse maybe that you can go win right now on, um, first you wanna make sure you're gonna be a good click for each other, a good fit. The price is definitely gonna be at the higher end, especially if it's sound and rodeo ready. If it's a little cheaper, it may have some soundness issues or it may have higher maintenance um, and you may have to decide if that's something you want to deal with. It could also take you time to click with that horse. A lot of people think, well, I bought me a, you know, 50, 40, 50, $60,000 horse. So, you know, I should just click with them, but it's not always like that. It could take you a six months or a whole season to get with them as well. And don't put pressure on yourself. Just Take your time to get to know them. I think that's important too. You've got to develop that relationship with that horse. I would definitely make sure I kept everything the same as the previous owner. 
If they were winning on them, watch their videos, keep the horse on the same diet, feed schedule, um, hay feed, uh, same bit, same saddle if possible. Just try to keep as much. I mean, the horse is already going to be changing homes and owners and herd. Um, so the more you can keep the same, find out how they rode them during the week, if they warmed up, how they warmed up, exhibitions, no exhibitions, any of that um, will help you keep that horse working the same. You may even ask them how they tuned them up. It's important to write all that down and try to keep them as close to similar as they were used to when they were winning. Uh, the next thing is, is do you want a push horse? Uh, one that you've got to really, you know, drive them through the pattern or get by a barrel. Um, if that's the case, you would want to be more of an aggressive rider for this type of horse, not timid. If you want more of a free runner that hunts a barrel that you can just kind of sit up and they hunt the barrel, but they're waiting for you to say, you know, when to raid or when to turn. Um, that person may need to be a quieter, more confident rider for that type of horse. Um, if you want more of an automatic point-and-go horse, um, one that will only run the pattern as fast as you ask them, but they're consistent and they run the same pattern every time, um, that's a great confidence builder horse and a very enjoyable horse as well. Uh, do you want one that's quiet in the alleyway or can you handle a little bit of fire or on the muscle? Um, you have to be honest with yourself and your ability of riding at certain speeds and levels uh, when you're picking a horse. You know, if you seek a pro-level 1D horse, but you have balance or confidence issues with speed, um, I would rather see you start with a been there, done that horse and suggest seeking riding or horsemanship lessons in the beginning. If you buy a 1D horse and you don't ride well, that horse will quickly start... start developing issues like anticipation or alley or, you know, just not clocking is good. For the rider who has been consistently winning on the same horse or at the same level and they're ready to move up, um, it's a time to think about what kind of horse personality and style for you too. And I also think it's important to make sure you find them a good home and a good fit as well. Um, there are many types of horses. To name a few, there's sensitive, there's high strung, there's laid back, there's lazy, there's strong, there's smart, there's quirky. There's different turning styles. To name a few would be stiff style or rollback or front endy, four wheel drive or bendy style turns. Um, my favorite are the four wheel drive horses. I feel like they use their bodies more correct. They're easier on your timing and position. Um, the front endy horse or the rollback horse, they're going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, as to far as far as your position and timing, they are going to not be as forgiving if you make a mistake as the horse that um, is more four wheel drive. Now, a little bend is good, but way too much bend can be a problem. A horse that maybe rubber necks their face and their neck around a barrel and swings their butt not a good thing so so again um that horse is going to require some different tuning and riding as well um as far as if you should pick certain bloodlines i do think if they're four years or younger it's definitely if you're looking for a 1d winner i do think there's certain bloodlines that dominate barrel racing industry year after year you can easily go to a barrel horse news magazine and look at their annual results of the mothers and fathers and grandparents of who's succeeding out there 
and help you decide what bloodlines you like or that you, you think would excel for you. Um, if you're looking for a certain body style, um, I've seen horses win from 14 hands to 16 hands, thick and, and narrow. Um, to me, I think if they have a good mind and they have heart, um, you know, that want to attitude, that's what matters to me the most. Um, I do think it's important to have good feet, good hooves, good legs, overall balance from head to tail. I like a kind eye. Um, barrel racing is certainly a physically demanding sport and a horse lacking some of those things. Um, those factors could certainly not hold up long term. But I have seen champions, like I said, with all bodies and, and heights. Um, so for me, I'm just looking more for that horse that is athletic. They might have quick speed, um, fluid collection in the turns, and that want to attitude and a good mind. Um, I do believe you should always have a pre-purchase exam done by your vet when you buy a horse, never using their vet. I also think you should consider medical insurance. If you're buying a horse that's not near your vet, you might be able to work out a deal where you get a week to get them vetted um, or pick a vet close to them that's not their vet, uh, unbiased person. Um, you should consider medical insurance, in my opinion, as well. A major medical policy could be four hundred, or excuse me, five hundred dollars a year, and could cover up to seventy-five hundred dollars in medical evaluations, treatments, and also mortality insurance. Um, and when you don't know a horse, that's often the first year when there's going to be a problem. It could very well be that first year. I do believe they'll base it on your purchase price and the horse's value, of course. Um, so you should try a horse at a jackpot or a show. If you're buying a horse that's already a you know a finished girl horse just to see how they behave in the real environment or at least meet the client at a barrel race um, because they're gonna act different in their own backyard or their own practice arena um, and not in a competition setting so if that's a concern for you and you're spending a lot of money I would certainly want to see how they behave do they stand tied to the trailer how do they warm up how do they approach the alleyway? You know, all of those things. If you're spending a lot of money, it would certainly be nice to know. So that's the end of chapter one. And I will go through chapter two next week. Um, and I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I do feel like it is important, especially the new members or any member, to make sure you do the first challenge um, of the group, which a lot of that has to do with journaling and writing down um, how things are going. I honestly believe you'll remember and retain more. Um, the brain is going to always try to match your thoughts and by writing it down, it certainly is going to retain that even more. I think that includes everything from your goals to your dreams, your, uh, your vision board, um, maybe your pre-race routine, uh, logging your barrel races. Like if you had something that went really good, let's say you went to PacWest this weekend and Friday was your best run, um, write down why and and what you think was the reason for that. Or maybe you, your runs got better from Friday to Sunday, write down why you thought it got better. So that way you'll remember for your next barrel race or your next super show that's a two or three day show. Um, so write those things down so you remember. People have short memories and by writing yourself notes, you can go back before your next super show or the next time you're at that arena and remember your key mental notes for that event. So 
it's good to remember to just run your race. Don't compete against others. If you read in my um, performance tracker, the very uh, first page has my top 10 ways to succeed in, in mental in your mental game. So in that one of them is to not run somebody else's race, but to focus on your run and just your own doing your own thing. So um, again, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in. Um, hug your horse. And you know, even a bad day barrel racing is still better than a day not doing that and not spending time with your horses. So so I think number one, that's what I want you to take away from this podcast is um, just this time with your horses. Time is a precious commodity. And when you look back, it's always going to be the journey, the memories with your horses, your family and your friends that you're going to remember the most. Not the barrel races you won or lost, but the memories of the time spent together. So thank you for tuning in. And as always, ride with heart and God bless.